pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, Ron Dakuma. What is up, Jay? It's been a, it's been a hot minute since we had to recorded a, an episode of the podcast. Dude, it's been, uh, it's been a whole month since we've gone on here and laid some stuff down. Yep, it's been a whole month, but it, Jesus Christ, it feels like the whole, the whole world's changed since the last time we recorded a podcast. I tell you what, man, I am so ready for 2020 to be over with. Like, there's, there's, I feel like this is the longest, shortest year of my life, and it's only June. Yep. Because I look down at the calendar, and I'm like, oh, it's June 6th or June 5th or whatever it is. It seems like it's so long, but it's also very short as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, man. And, it, it, you know, time and dates and times just seem to be blurring together, especially since we're still living under quarantine, but things are starting to open up here but hey jesus you, you know you it, like you said it's only june uh and who knows what the rest of 2020 is going to hold for us and i mean where do where do you even begin i mean we we have a we have a pandemic we haven't even gotten out of that we we got social unrest throughout the entire country and and it's been a kind of worldwide phenomenon at this point um I mean, who knows? In theory, we can only go up from here, right? Yeah, you're right about that. We can only go up from here. Like, but <laughs> it's your. I think I think you put it the best, man. We could only go up from here, man. Well, put it this way. I think I think this year has been so bad. Like, we need like like an extra reward. We need like two Thanksgivings or something, right? Right. Like two Thanksgivings, two Christmases. It's like, oh, is your family divorced? No, we just we survived 2020. Like. I've been on social media the last month and, you know, during the pandemic, I was like, okay, like this is, this is our generation's version of the Spanish flu, like the, the Spanish flu pandemic of, I think it was 1919. And then like the stock market went down. I was like, okay, like it's 1919 meets the, the, you know, the market crash, the great depression, 1929. And then you factor in the social unrest and police brutality going on, um, at the hands of the Minneapolis police department murdering, uh, you know, Mr. Floyd. And now it's like, okay, it's 1919, 1929. And with the social unrest going on, it's like, it's 1968. You have three cataclysmic events coming together in one known as 2020. It's just, Mm -hmm. It's, it's absolutely lot. bonkers. It's a lot to take in. And and thanks for bringing that up, Puma, about the social unrest. And that's essentially what our, um, what our podcast is going to be based around today. Episode 54 is going to be a little different. And this is not um, going to be about football. Um, this is going to be about a larger conversation that I feel like we need to have. And, and it's a milestone in, in the podcast because this is the first time we're actually going to have guests on the podcast. We're going to bring in two of our best listeners, two of our biggest supporters, two of our biggest, um, you know, uh, guys that have been there from the beginning. Um, the first one being Josh McNaught, a.k.a. Mr. Haitian Houdat, and then also Mr. Freddie Soliolis, um, which we call a.k.a. Mr. Vince McMahon, right? Um, yes, sir. Two of our biggest supporters, and we thought this is the perfect moment because the podcast today is not going to be about football. We're going to we're gonna get into topics related to football, but essentially it's going to be no X and O's talk today. It's going to be mostly about what's happening in the world, social unrest, with the killing of Mr. Floyd, I'm sorry, with the murder of Mr. Floyd, it's caused quite a bit of international, national backlash about police brutality and just the the way that society sees black Americans in America and abroad. So today's today's not about football. Today's more about talking, uh, listening, figuring out what we can do to help out. And I think it'd be the perfect time to bring on somebody uh, in in our community, the PFR community, to talk about the social unrest. Yeah, and you know, Jay, Jay that was a great intro, and, and it was well said. And I think 
right now as a whole, as a society, I mean, I think that's really the whole point is to just everyone just shut up and just listen. Like everybody just has to listen to the other party and understand what's going on out there and how, you know, we as a society can can just try to, to improve life for everybody. It's it's it's, yeah. it's it's a it's a human rights issue at the end of the day. And, you know, it's 2020. You, you think we we've gotten beyond where we're at right now. And clearly we haven't. Yeah. And we'll get into the details there soon. But but just to elaborate some more on that. I, and I thought about this quite a bit. And I think today is the perfect day to bring on uh, people that are within our appeal for our community. And and part of this movement and part of the Black Lives uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is it's about talking. It's about having a dialogue. It's about learning. And and I think there's no better way than to do that by talking to your community. And even though our community is small and insignificant at the moment, the PFR community, I think Josh and Freddie are some of the best voices in that community, right? So it's a perfect time to bring those guys on and get their perspective. And in a few minutes, we'll probably uh, touch base with those guys, bring them on, and we'll talk further in detail about how they feel about everything going on. Yes, sir. It's going to be a great episode. Glad you guys are tuning in and uh, look forward to having a, a great discussion with these guys. Wonderful. So with that being said, let's start. And when I bring those guys on, it's going to be mostly focused on them and their thoughts. And we'll ask them questions. We'll be the moderators. But before we get to that point, let's talk about just how we felt, just about what's going on. And, and I'll turn the floor over to you, Mr. Puma, and we'll get your thoughts while I collect mine. And we'll kind of run through um, how we see the world in the last the 10 days or so. It's just when you look at the the video footage of what happened to to Mr. Floyd uh, in Minneapolis, it, it's, you know, it's probably one of the most horrifying eight, nine minutes of videotape I personally have ever seen in my lifetime. Dude, I couldn't uh, get through it. I, I mean, not to cut you off and I'll, I'll just jump in here and there, but I couldn't get through the full eight minutes. Like I think about three minutes and I was like, I can't watch this anymore. Absolutely not. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's just insane. It's, you know, there's, there's one cop in the main video that you see, right? Like there's one police officer, Mr. Chavanaugh or Chavin, I believe. Uh, he was the first police officer arrested uh, for this for this act of murder. Uh, you know, alleged, of course. He, he's going to have his day in court, but the video footage clearly shows what he did. Uh, and then you see one other police officer, Mr. Tao, I believe. Uh, he was just complicit. Like everybody's out there saying he's he's Mr. Floyd saying he can't breathe. He, you know, George Floyd himself is saying that he can't breathe. He's crying out for his mother who died two years before. And, you know, even after he's non-responsive at like the seven minute mark, this cop and the other police officers involved were still having their knees on him for another seven minutes. And, and this is just, you know, you see acts like this in, in foreign countries and you think it's the most total, total tally. Ugh, I can't talk. Total Talarian, um, you know, regime issue, uh, dictatorship kind of deal, things you see from secret police. And, you know, this is in an American city like this is this is happening in our own backyard and, and things need to change. Um, this this really shouldn't have gotten to this point. This has been going on for for decades and, and centuries. And, you know, it's it's just it's time for things to change around here and, and you know there's 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 really no excuse and then you know there were scenes where it looked like a bombed out you know part of Baghdad or Beirut when they burned down the third police precinct in in Minneapolis I believe it was on last Thursday and it was just you know total unrest and anarchy at times and peaceful protesters were trying to do their thing and you know there were also Antifa people that were hijacking 
the the protest to to do heinous things and it's just it's just insane what is going on in society today yeah and i never thought we would get to this point in 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 american society man and and i'll be very clear obviously i was not around back in the days when they lynched people and i haven't seen it for myself but this was the modern equivalent of lynching essentially what you saw on that video the pain that you felt through that video is essentially what i assume somebody that just saw lynching happen was probably going to feel do you do you understand what i'm trying to get there yeah yeah absolutely i mean back in back in the day when the clan was running around and they did it, it was a public you know it was a public display like the, you know they string up black men up in a tree at a public place and in in the middle of you know a black neighborhood and it was out there for everybody to see but nowadays you know everybody has a cell phone camera mm-hmm. so like there's no hiding behind a, a sheet or the badge or a, the shield or, or a blue uniform like if you're out there doing this stuff the entire world is going to see who you are and what you did and it's it's insane it's it's, it's insane that 2020 people still think it's okay to do this. Like they're ignorant to the fact that, you know, technology is caught up and you're, there's no way you can hide from it now. Yeah. Like it's beyond the dashboard cam. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the video itself, uh, it, it's one of those videos that's, that's so jarring. That's so brutal. That's uh, so evil. And so, so basically black and white, uh, to use that phrase, into what happened. I know a lot of times uh, white Americans will watch a video of a black person getting killed and they'll pick uh, pick this apart and they'll pick that apart and say, well, what about this and what about that? But I, I don't think I've, I've met one person or I've heard one person online or anywhere um, that said nothing but, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Or to the effect of, I can't believe that happened or that is extreme brutality or I haven't heard one opposite end of the spectrum from anybody and that speaks to the power of that video and what it portrayed to all of us i mean essentially it rocked not a nation but it rocked a a, the whole world 140 cities had some sort of protest um in the united states and then beyond that we're talking you know london france uh, paris japan new zealand Uh, my roommate's from new zealand he's talking about how there's massive protests in auckland um so that video itself started what I call the black, I mean, obviously it's already out there, but the Black Lives Matter movement is essentially um, what the civil rights movement is, but in 2020. And I feel like I haven't, obviously I wasn't around for the civil rights movement in 1968, but I I bet you this is exactly how it feels. Right. And I was going to say, like, I think what's different this time, and, you know, I'll I'll say this again when we get our, 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 you know, our guests on, but before there was always, you know, the killing was wrong, but like he shouldn't have done this. He shouldn't have acted this way. And I think the video, like you said, it's just so jarring and so overt. And it's so in your face that it's clearly this is wrong. That it it's it's bringing people that are white, that are are the majority of the population. That you know, other police departments now are finally coming out and saying that this is wrong. Those police officers don't represent all of us. We're out here. We're willing to listen to you and we're willing to help. There's a great video of this. I believe it was the sheriff in, I'm not familiar with the county name, but I know Flint, Michigan is one of the main cities in that county. And he straight up, he put his his riot helmet down. He put his baton down and he went to the crowd and said, listen, I want to listen to you and I want to help 
better this department. I want to make sure that we're treating you with respect. And at the end of his speech, he ended up marching with the protesters right down the main road in, in Flint, Michigan. And there are other police departments out there. The Atlanta ch police chief, uh, she was also caught on video uh, trying to talk to demonstrators in, in Atlanta and calm things down because they tried to break into the CNN building. And, you know, there, there are more police officers and police departments today that are stepping in front and trying to lead this movement on their end of things against police brutality than in the past with like Philando Castillo and, and Eric Gardner and Alton Sterling and, and the list goes on and on and on. I think this is the first time that, that the thin blue line is really like is, is tired of their other officers bullshit. Yeah. And and I had a lot of time to reflect, man, about what I saw. And and, and like I said earlier, man, I, I, I couldn't watch that full uh, video in the entirety. I watched the first few minutes and then I went back and I watched a few clips and a, and a few clips there. And I just I just couldn't watch it. And, and I started thinking about what I saw and a lot of time to reflect and and not to sound cliche or anything, but I, I, re I really didn't understand um, what the black people, uh, what black people's plight in America is just because I, I can't walk in their shoes. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I haven't lived in an urban area where, you know, racism is rampant and poverty is rampant because of uh, systematic oppression. So I can't really, I can't really walk in their shoes and, and you know, understand what's go what, what they're going through, but I can try. I mean, what this video has done for me now is this is, is made sure I open my mind, open my ears, open my heart and try to figure out exactly what's going on in this country. And, and that's part part of the initial uh, beginning of a movement in my eyes. Exactly. I mean, that's really the whole point. It, like I said earlier, it's the, the whole point really that, you know, Black Lives Matter has been trying to do is to bring to light systematic racism and to police, uh, police brutality. And it's, you know, it's also to get the other side to just, to just listen, like the, to just listen to the plights that, you know, that these folks have had for, let's be honest, 400 years. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't anything new. And I know I said this to a couple of people, but last week I was up in New Hampshire. I had to visit my folks. I had to pick some stuff up because they're getting ready to move. And I was watching uh, the History Channel. They did a three-part miniseries on, you know, Ulysses S. Grant. He was the general that led the Union Army to victory during the Civil War and documented his life and documented everything all the way up to his presidency. And it's just incredible to see that that was in the 1800s. And you look at, you know, today and the stuff that the Union fought for and Ulysses S. Grant fought for, like, it, has there really been any change? Has there been any progress? Maybe. Not, I don't think there's been enough. Like, it's minimal. It, I mean, listen, it's, it's 2000, minimal. Like, it, it's the millimeters. Most yeah. I think somebody said this on, 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 not to cut you off, somebody said this on Instagram, and maybe I think it was Ice Cube. He said, we just went like six millimeters. We still got a thousand miles more to go. Yeah, it's insane. Like if you, if you juxtapose that to, you know, the growth of like a human fingernail, like that's, that's the progress that has been made since the 1800s when, you know, the Civil War was fought over slavery. Like revisionists could say it was states' rights, but that's a bunch of bullshit. It was, a, it's, it was about slavery at the end of the day. And, you know, it's 2020, Jay, and they finally took down a statue of Robert E. Lee in the capital of uh, Virginia in Richmond. Like, is there, is there any excuse for that? I don't understand. Like the, like, the South lost. Like, the South lost the war. And we're finally starting to take down statues. You don't see statues of Nazis in, in Germany, right? You don't see statues of, of you know, Tojo 
in Japan. It's it's insane to me how the South just keeps grabbing towards like the the air quote the lost cause. <laughs> get, yeah. get with the times. Yeah, I, I, have you know that the Mississippi flag actually has a Confederate flag in it? Yeah. I didn't yep. realize that until a couple of days ago. And you're spot on right, man. Listen, uh, they lost the war, and it seems like they're just, they can't seem to let it go. Um, it's going to take a while. I mean, the country has been built on three, 400 years of racism, and it's not going to go away in, in an instant or a weekend or a month or even a year. It's going to take hundreds of years for people to recondition through generations what racism is, right? But I am proud of, of just some of the steps I've seen the last few days and some of the outpour, outpouring I've seen on social media. I mean, showing solidarity online is important. Yes, I'm sure it is. But the more important thing is we got to start taking actions after that as well. I mean, once the social media posts go away, you got to make sure you get out there and you let your voice be heard and the protests continue. And furthermore, the protests need to ask for specific demands. Whoever the leaders are um, in, in the Black Lives Matter movement, they got to ask for specific demands, man. Demands such as, you know, outlawing any tactic that restricts blow, uh, that, that restricts um, air and um, blood uh, flow to your to your limbs, right? Essentially yeah. cutting off any air or blood will, 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 will cause you to die, right? So there needs to be a national ban on any, any tactic like that. There needs to be de-escalation training, uh, that must be mandatory for all cops. There needs to be like a national database that's public of all officers' records, right? So there's got to be specific demands that need to be sent out there to our local leaders to make sure some change comes out of this. Yep, for sure. For sure. It's And you know what? That's why I'm glad that, you know, especially, you know, Josh being a, being a black man, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see you know, what are his thoughts? Like, what are his thoughts as a whole? And then what are what are his thoughts and how this relates to the NFL? And if anybody's going to be, like, I guess you could say the authority on what, you know, we could do. I mean, I'm like you said earlier, like, I'm, I'm never going to experience life through Josh's shoes or other uh, black people in this country. I, it's it's going to be great to hear what he thinks the majority of the population should should yeah. do moving forward. Of course. Uh, speaking of Josh, uh, looks like those guys are waiting on the line. So we will get them on here in a quick second. Yeah, let's go. Okay. And without any further ado, I would like to bring on two of our best listeners from the PFR community. Um, we have Mr. Josh McNaught, a.k.a. Haitian Hudat, the resident Saints fan, and Mr. Freddie Soliolis, also known as Mr. Vince McMahon's You're Fired. Yes. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome aboard, fellas. How are you? What's happening? It's an honor to be here. Yeah, doing good. I'm excited to be on the, on PFR airwaves. <laughs> yes. Well, we're honored to have you guys. And, and uh, Freddie, I promise I'll I'll hit you with uh, you're fired at the end of the show. Still. Sounds good. <laughs> cool. All right, so what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to play uh, the video of the Drew Brees call where he dropped his infamous um, disrespecting the flag comment. So I'm going to play that, and we're going to talk about essentially what the fallout from there was, and then uh, Mr. Puma will read the apology, or one of them, that Drew Brees sent down. Then we'll open the uh, floor for discussion. So here is Mr. Drew Brees' comments. they were always about police brutality and now it's coming back to the fore and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that and of course you're such a leader 
in the league, uh, what is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and, and players in the league? Well, I, I will I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s. And everyone, and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part of the solution. And that is Ruby's comments, which universally, almost instantaneously, got so much heat and backlash um, from major prominent athletes such as LeBron and and Michael Thomas, who's his own teammate, and and Alvin Kamara. And the one the one that really got me was the Malcolm Jenkins one because you could really feel quite the pain coming through that. And and I'll turn it over to Puma because uh, there's been quite a bit of apologies coming from. From uh, from Drew Brees, but I want to I want to hit on this specific one. Puma, you got that in front of you? Yeah, I got it in front of me. Uh, like you said, he did a, quite a bit of uh, apologizing. He's one step away from showing up on the Today Show tomorrow. Um, but here's his first apology on Instagram, and it's pretty long-winded, so just bear with me. Uh, from Drew Brees, I would like to apologize to my friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, NFL community, and anyone I hurt with my comments yesterday. And speaking with some of you, it breaks my heart to know the pain I've caused. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag and the national anthem, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on the issues we are facing right now as a country. They lacked awareness and any type of compassion or empathy. Instead, those words have become divisive and hurtful and have misled people into believing that somehow I am an enemy. That could be not... This could not be further from the truth and is not an accurate reflection of my heart or my character. This is where I stand. I stand with the black community in the fight against systemic racial injustice and police brutality and support the creation of real policy change that will make a difference. I condemn the years of oppression that have taken place throughout our black communities and still exist today. I acknowledge that as Americans, including myself, have not done enough to fight for that equality or to truly understand the struggles and plight of the black community. I recognize that I am part of the solution and can be a leader for the black community in this movement. I will never, I will never know what it's like to be a black man or raise black children in America, but I will work every day to put myself in those shoes and fight for what is right. I have always been an ally, never an enemy. I'm sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday but I take full responsibility and accountability. I recognize that I should do less talking and more listening. And when the black community is talking about their pain, we all need to listen. For that, I'm very sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. 
That's his first apology on Instagram, and that came out, I want to say, about 8, 9 o'clock yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm going to open it up to 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 Josh because he is our resident Saints fan. Josh, I want to get your take on what you thought when you first heard his comments and then everything else that came after it and his apology. Uh, well, look, I was pissed off like most, uh, you know, black folks, I won't say all, but most um, in the country when they heard those comments. Um, and as far as the um, response that he got in the, you know, pretty much the hammer coming down on him. He uh, absolutely had it coming, so um, I definitely don't feel sorry for him in that regard. And, um, you know, his comments about, you know, the flag and the protest and, you know, he he pretty much, you know, uh, said himself he missed the mark. And, you know, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, I don't know what the... uh, uh, if we're allowed to, you know, curse on here, but you know, I had a few other words I could have used. Go for, for it. Hey, listen, oh, let it, let it flow, Josh. Listen, I, I curse <laughs> all the time, so let it loose, brother. All right. All right. No, as as they say in the you know, famous movie, you know, you know, you know, you done fucked up, right? <laughs> uh, and and I think he definitely found that out um, in a major way. So you know, I'm. I, it's good that he kind of, you know, took it, tried to take it back, or he not take it back. He tried to, you know, apologize and whatnot. But you know, the cat was out of the bag. You know, you said how you felt, you know, in your heart the first time you did it, and it's like someone who gets caught doing dumb shit. You know, you're not apologizing because of what you did. You got, you know, you're you're apologizing because you know people found out what you did and it made you look bad and it made other people look bad. So you're apologizing for that, not the initial, you know, comments that he made. So, yeah, I, I was mad just like everybody else, man. You know, um, I, I told Brandon the other day, you know, I, I had his Jersey, you know, for I forget how many years now. And uh, yeah, that's not in my closet right now, man. I can't rock with that. that that's stupid. We're going to have to see what his, um, you know, actions are going to be, you know, actions speaking louder than words as the saying goes. Uh, we're gonna have to see what his actions are gonna be that back up his, you know, um, uh, you know, sense of being contrite about his apology. But you know, for the time being, you know, he's gonna have to, uh, you know, take the, uh, you know, the punches, you know, metaphorically speaking, that come his way for, uh, you know, for what he said. Yeah, I mean, that's well said, man, and we appreciate your insight. And I want to turn it over to Freddie as well. Freddie, what was your thoughts when you first heard it as an avid NFL fan? And how did you perceive his his backlash and, and his apology? Yeah, so, uh, Josh, that was well said. Um, you know, when I heard, when I heard that first statement um, about how he was, you know, thinking of his grandparents serving and, you know, when people – when people think of the flag and they're patriotic, they tend to pull out the best parts of history and, you know, they're, they're viewing their perception, their perception essentially becomes their reality. So when he started making comments about that and it didn't really, he didn't focus on the purpose of why they were kneeling and why they were protesting, you know, he didn't validate any of that in his initial statement. And, you know, the first statement I felt like those were his words. The second statement, I feel like he had a PR person next to him and, and he, they might have typed it up and he read it off. Um, but yeah, um, I feel like he's, you know, put his foot, put it in his mouth instantly almost. And I couldn't even keep up with all the apologies and, you know, what was the latest one and uh, what, what are his teammates saying about it? It's just a lot coming out today, a lot of information. 
Right. And, and Freddie, I, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, you know, when people, like you said, like when people look at the flag, they, you know, they proceed, you know, it's their own perception, their own perception becomes reality. You know, he, Drew needs to get a little history lesson in this country. There are also, you know, black men that fought alongside his grandparents in, in World War II. And when they came back home, they weren't able to drink from the same water fountain. They can't go in the same True. restaurants. They they weren't granted access to the GI Bill. They were going back to segregated parts of their hometowns. Um, it's you know I think it, it's it's really tone deaf. And for a man that has been championed in the city of New Orleans, which I believe is sixty percent black, he's had four years to to understand the the history behind the movement and the history of how Colin Kaepernick came to you know instead of sitting on the bench. To actually taking a knee on the field, if you're not willing to to understand that, then you know that's just willful ignorance. The definition of that is you know to know the truth about something and still you know kind of ignore it and pew pew the reasoning behind it. And he's you know it's 2020, like and it's hypersensitivity right now in this country, and he he should know better. Yeah, you're, you're spot on right, um, Brandon, and, and thank you, Josh, and Freddie, for your input, and I agree with all you guys, and, and, I, and I think I'm just really, really disappointed in, in Drew Brees, because I thought he was better than that, right? I mean, uh, I'm not a Saints fan, but I do see as, uh, I do look at Brees as one of the leaders of the NFL, he's one of the quarterbacks I love watching on, on, a, on a weekly basis, and and I thought a man that won the Walter Payton, I'm sorry, the Walter Payton Award, he would have more insight of what's going on, um, so I think he was unbelievably tone deaf into the climate that we're currently in. Um, this is a completely different climate than four years ago. And, and maybe the more I thought about this and the more it started making sense when you start looking at the background of who Drew Brees is, right? So where he's from and like he's from Texas with some fairly not wealthy parents, but they're upper middle class and he's a staunch Republican. Um, and, and I'm not saying he doesn't have, um, you know, the right to his opinion, which everybody does. But in the position he is in, a quarterback, the face of the franchise in a predominantly black city that they've championed, I think I think he must show more empathy. I think it's one of those things where he needs to be more proactive um, than being reactive into what's happening now. So we'll see how, how time time will, will fare with that. But I wanted to ask Josh a question. Josh, you said you put that jersey back into the closet. How long will it take for you to put that jersey back on? I mean, is there like a, is this something like a wait and see? And, or do you think it's, when do you think that'll be when you put that jersey back on? Well, uh, you know, like I said, I took it out, you know, straight up, took it off the hanger. And I, it's, it's next to, actually, as, as we speak, it's next to the trash. I haven't put it up wow. in the trash yet, but I'm, I'm really getting close. I'm, I might just do it just because, you know, uh, to the degree that, you know, one can come back from a, you know, uh, it's not even a slip up like this, but just kind of exposing your ignorance in such a in such a way that is, as you suggested, someone of his, um, you know, of his not just accomplishments, someone of his uh, uh, prestige, I guess one would say in the NFL, you know, should know better. Um, yeah, to you know, how long until I put it on again? Uh, who knows, man? You know, I might I might just rock with Alvin Kamara. I might rock with uh, you know uh, Jenkins. Uh, you know, somebody else. There's a whole bunch of other players on that roster. And, um, you know, Drew Brees, you know, obviously, you know, quarterback of choice, you know, up until, you know, this past week. Um, not saying I would say, oh, I want to root for a different quarterback or a different team, just, you know, individually on his, um, you know, speaking just about him. Um, yeah, man, I'm not sure if I'm going to be wearing that jersey again. And it's well, a shame to say. 
because uh, oh, sorry, I don't want to. No, no, go, go, keep going. I'm sorry. I was gonna make a joke that you can just come on over to the Brady side with me and Freddie. Oh, <laughs> oh no, there, there, there we go. go. Here we go. Uh, uh, now it's actually other people have asked me like, hey, Josh, are you, you gonna jump ship? You know, what, what, what you know, what's your, uh, you know, I said, nah, you know, I, I said I'm with the Saints, and you know, I'm not gonna go back on the team. But um, as far as that individual. You know, like I said, there's plenty of other you know, individuals on that roster. I can get their jersey, too. So, um, yeah. you know, whether or not I put it on again, who knows? You know, I might toss it, just, you know, throw the trash and say, fuck it. You know, I, you had all this all this time in, like, you know, black one of the blackest cities in the country. Mm-hmm. Of all people who should know better, like, yo ass should know better, man. Like, how are you going to, you know, say something that ignorant and then, you know, have to do all this, this, this big, um, you know, apology tour, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I, I'm like, come on, man. Like, you, you should know better. I mean, he went to Vanderbilt, you know, he's from Texas. Like, you know, you kind of went through the list there. So, you know, if, if anybody would know how those comments might be perceived, given, you know, the time uh, that we've had since um, Kaepernick's original protest, you know, if anybody would have known that those comments might not go over too well. You know, if you put this out there, you know, you're going to get a backlash and you might not come back from it. You know, of all people, he should have known that. But, you know, um, they asked him a question, you know, he was live and he exposed his ignorance, man. And, um, you know, bringing up the facts, you know, talking about the uh, black soldiers that fought with his grandparents, man, he, he forgot that whole, that whole uh, right of uh, history and just kind of totally negated that. Right. Which, um, one of the things that, you know, obviously not just pisses me off, but a whole bunch of other people who heard that. Like, how are you going to, A, skirt around the original um, issue, and B, you know, kind of use patriotism and the flag as a way to, you know, literally leave out a whole bunch of other people who were doing the exact same thing that your grandfathers were doing. And, you know, you already went into the details about how they were treated when they came back. So, um, yeah, short answer is... Um, it's not in my closet, and um, we'll, we'll have to see if I put it on again. I might toss it, um, you know, even if he does this, you know, long-winded, you know, uh, live apology and explanation and extrapolates on what he was thinking when he was thinking it. You know, his teammates might may try to come around and, you know, um, pick his brain, figure out what he was thinking, why he said that, and you know, try to have a healing process and sing kumbaya and all that good shit. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, we'll we have to see. Well, we do know what he was thinking, right? I mean, it's it's very simple. He's somebody that believes you shouldn't be kneeling during during the anthem, and and back in 2016, he had the same exact stance, but he didn't apologize. But he did apologize now because of the extreme backlash, right? So, right. Right. Well, maybe not that's like cut you all off real quick, but you, you know, just to just to piggyback on the 2016 bit. I mean. W- Y'all can speak to this. Is it safe to assume that back in 2016, because it was political hot takey to bash the protests and the reason behind it and to hijack it and say it's about the national anthem, it was kind of cool to, you know, speak out against the movement. But nowadays people have actually grown to understand. Like, is that safe to assume? Um, uh, Maybe, but... It's going to get hot again. I mean, we're in election year, and come in November, you know what Trump is going to be pushing. For God's sake, Trump treated it out today. So whatever you believe is going to have to have some core beliefs, and you can't be swayed by, by this moving left and right. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come around again in, in three months, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
And, and Freddie, let me ask you a quick question. How, how do you perceive Drew Brees now? And do you think everything that's happening, do you think that will cause some sort of fracture uh, in the New Orleans locker room? Do you think this could lead, lead to some actual bad play on the field? I mean, you know, no doubt it's going to cause some some friction in the locker room. And, you know, maybe guys aren't going to treat Drew Brees the same way anymore after he said this. Well, most definitely. Um, maybe, you know, some of his teammates are going to forgive him. Some some aren't. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to – another thing, too, you know, back in 2016, he, he said basically the same comment, no backlash. And then I believe it was in 2018, uh, Donald Trump did the famous, you know – call the players sons of bitches. And if I was an owner, I would look down and say these players were fired. I believe the following day, uh, he took a knee along with other players during the national anthem. So I I think Drew Brees is a a, a bit hypocritical at this point of, you know, you took a knee back then because the president called you guys sons of bitches, but you, you still have this willful ignorance. And like another thing that's been grinding my gears and, You know, everyone out there has been saying, and I've had, you know, a couple of conversations this week with people asking, you know, what's so bad? He expressed his opinion. He has the right to an opinion. Yes, Drew Brees has the right to his own opinion. And the rest of his statement, you know, it was kind of beautiful to have how he described his feeling during the national anthem. But the issue is, is his first sentence with, I'll never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. And, you know, it. The flag itself isn't patriotism, and Benjamin Albright brought this up on his show two days ago uh, on KOA Denver, uh, where he said patriotism isn't the flag. It's not, you know, the the, the flag is a badge kind of deal. It's 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 you know, it's all about what did you do to better your country today? What did you do to help your brothers and sisters? out to make this a better place it's not about whether or not you listen to the national anthem or you you know you you view the flag as this in the words of albright he said the song is just it's a song written by a dude like that does not define patriotism in this country and i think you know breeze needs to understand that that it's beyond just a symbol it's you know what actions do you do and to the people again that said he has his entitlement to an opinion freedom of speech does not mean you have freedom from consequence. Like Colin Kaepernick had a, had an opinion and he used his free speech and his consequence was he's out of a job. So Freddie, I'm going to ask you this question. We are kind of bouncing it back and forth and I'll open it up to the rest of you guys. If this was a lesser quarterback, like say a Jake Cutler level, or if this was Ryan Fitzpatrick or, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, if one of these guys said what Drew Brees said, would we be talking about that quarterback possibly being out of a job? I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd have to have those kind of conversations. Um, I know the uh, the new that, new that rookie quarterback uh, Buffalo. His name's escaping my mind Jake right now. Jake From Jake yeah. Jake From. You know, that's gonna that question is gonna play out with Jake From being a rookie. You know, uh, an unproven rookie coming out of Georgia. You know, um, he's got a lot of apologizing and um, getting into the good graces of his team again. It's not going to be easy, and especially as a rookie. So, you know, Drew Brees is a superstar quarterback, and if a lesser quarterback had said it, you know, I don't know. 
Probably, I think they might, might be out of the league or because once you lose the locker room, you the quarterback's a leader, so for sure. Yep. What do you think, Josh? If there's anyone else, you think there's a new quarterback under center? You think Mike Florio gets his wish and has Taysom Hill be the franchise quarterback? Oh, God, stop with the Taysom Hill love. Um, hey, I don't love Taysom, Taysom Hill, Hill as much as Florio does, but Josh, what do you think? Would Breeze be out of a job um, at Hall of Fame caliber? Um, I think that he would still, you know, because the NFL, you know, has made so many poor decisions in his past, excusing, you know, the inexcusable, you know, cough, cough, Ray Lewis, oh, cough, cough, um, Stallworth, I think it was the receiver who, you know, killed somebody inadvertently or manslaughter, whatever the oh, case was. Oh, he did 30 days in jail. Yeah. So, you know, the, the NFL has a history of looking the other way when it comes to, you know, like I said, excusing the inexcusable. So, um, would he they would a lesser quarterback be out of a job? I don't think so. Unfortunately, I think that they would, you know, get the same, you know, public scrutiny, get dragged, so to speak, as um as the kids say in the street, they're gonna drag your ass, you know, they'd still get dragged. Um and you know, deservingly so, just like Drew Brees deserves it. and um that young kid who's talking about oh only elite whites should be able to have these high powered weapons and whatnot. You know, fuck out of here. Anyway, um I think that the um the, just just because, of, like I said, the history of the league and allowing such crazy nonsense to be allowed and, you know, making excuses over and over again. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's, it kind of goes in, um, uh, what's, what's the term? Um, uh, I can't remember the, 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 uh, the slang term. But, yeah, I, I think they would, uh, you know, they'd still be in the league. You know, they might get, they'd probably get demoted. They'd have to do the public apology tour. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, maybe a couple of months later, you know, they'd either be on a different team or they would just be in a lower position. Um, but they would definitely, I, I don't think they'd be out of a job. Um, and uh, Brennan, what was the first part of that question you said? You know, whether, uh, I don't know if it was about whether or not they'd have a job, but what was the first part? I was just wondering if it was a quarterback of lesser stature that said the same comments that Drew Brees did. Oh, if, oh, if oh yeah, yeah. Out of a job. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I, I mean, they would get, I mean, they might lose their out of a job maybe on an individual roster on a team but i don't think they'd be kicked out of the league all um, right but even if they were a lesser caliber player i think it would still get the same public scrutiny just like the rookie and anyone else who wants to you know say some ignorant you know ignorant stuff right now regarding that you know they'd still get the whole nationwide you know excoriation that you know no matter who it was no matter what roster they're on you know, if they opened their mouth and said something stupid like Breeze did or the other kid did, you know, they'd, they'd still get it. You know, they'd still get the hands. Um, and they might, who knows, you know, somebody might end up catching hands over this because, hey, as far as splitting a locker room, as far Allah, as I'm concerned. Uh, Allah, what's that kid's name? Uh, Geno Smith, right? Got yeah, cracked yeah, in the yeah. trial for 300 yep. bucks. Got cracked yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, to the question you asked before, you know, whether or not it's going to split a locker room. I mean, think about this. Remember when the Red Sox and they, you know, they won the World Series and then half the team wanted to go to the White House. The other half said, no, you know, we don't represent what this president stands for. And the other te- half of the team said, oh, we have to stay together and go to the White House. And that split a locker room. So, if you, you know, if that split the Boston Red Sox World Championship locker room, then, you know, you bet your ass that there's going to be some, that they already are, you know, some players on the Saints roster who feel some type of way, you know, i.e., you know, Malcolm Jenkins and IE Alvin Kamara and probably uh, you know, that offensive line that has to protect uh, that has to protect him. 
You know what I mean? Sure. I think it's definitely going to be a split in the locker room. Sean Payton, he, you know, he's going to have to. Sh- I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to have to do something to, you know, make sure somebody doesn't put hands on him. <laughs> and um, you know, as as far as um, how the team's going to react, I, I remember that scene in um, uh, uh, what's that movie? Any given Sunday when uh, the offensive line pretty much had enough of the quarterback's bullshit and they, for several <laughs> plays in a row for a whole drive or however long it was, they just stood up, didn't block the defensive line, stood up at the height, snap of the ball, and they you know, let the opposing defense absolutely tee off on the quarterback. And they had yeah. to get the message across to him like, hey, you know, hey, you're not bigger than the team. But, you know, to the bigger point, you know, we're not taking your shit <laughs> right. as a whole team. Not just the offensive line, but I mean, we saw you know Thomas, you know, making his you know um, uh, indirect, taking his indirect shots at Drew Brees. Um, you know, he's got a whole offense to have to worry about now, and you know, also a whole defense to worry about now because they're in the same locker room. So it's definitely going to be, um, you know, I mean, it's probably going to be a uh, uh, a, f- a few tense moments. Uh, at the very least, you know, and like I said, that O-line, if they decide they don't want to, you know, block for for a few drives or, you know, put hands on. I'm not saying they should, but I'm just saying it would be justified because it's like, man, you, you understand what you said because you didn't apologize for it the first time and you're only apologizing for it now because, you know, like I said, you know, because um, your ass got caught. You know, if it, if it wasn't like, oh, you know, if the, if the consensus wasn't the same, if the, we were in such a moment like we are right now. You know, it, it probably um, would not have gone the same way. But because it was four years later and because, you know, Colin Kaepernick has essentially, you know, been proven right, you know, and um, people are feeling the type of way that somebody like Breeze went out and um, and, and uh, said that dumb shit. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? If it's anyone else, any other quarterback, lesser stature, you think the Saints have a new quarterback under center? Listen, I... I... I have a hard hard time with this question and because of what happened with Jake Fromm, right? Uh, I think what Jake Fromm said was straight up black and white racist. His tweet said, I'm sorry, his text said um, only white elites, who he is, he's an elite white person because he plays quarterback in the NFL, should be allowed to carry guns or whatever, whatever he said. Essentially, he's saying because of my color, because of my status... I should be the only person allowed to carry uh, a suppressor. Um, and I see, I see the Drew Brees thing as a completely different story, man. Like, yes, it was ignorant. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, I know it's misguided. But at the end of the day, I don't believe it's worthy of calling him a racist or um, some of the some of the folks down in, in the New Orleans area were calling him part of the KKK, which I almost fell off my fucking chair when I heard that. I, I don't think he's racist. I mean, maybe I don't know the guy. Listen, he could be a full on racist when he goes home. But at the end of the day, I think from everything we've seen, the actions that Drew Brees has put out into the world, whether it's, you know, helping rebuild, uh, rebuild the city after Katrina, you know, putting up five million dollars for coronavirus, which in a city of New Orleans is. 60% predominantly black. Um, in total, to this date, his foundation and the money that he's raised is up to $33 million to help rebuild or to help fight coronavirus. So I, I don't think the guy fully deserves to be pushed out of the league. It, it's a mistake. I get it. And it's going to take a long time for us to heal, especially the players that he plays with. Because 
some of those some of those remarks, those those players such as Malcolm Jenkins said, especially Malcolm Jenkins, man, that one cut to the core because you can feel the pain in his voice. Um, but oh, but he I, had a grandfather that served, if if I recall the statement correctly, right? Exactly, right, exactly. I, I just I just don't think pushing him out of the league or making sure uh, he doesn't play quarterback in the NFL ever again is the right way. Um, I, I think this is something that Drew Brees is gonna have to work on for the next few years maybe more than after his career has ended um but uh, i just i just don't see him as losing his job am, am i misguided in thinking that way I, I don't know but i just i just don't think he should be pushed out of the league right right i'm not saying push him out of the league now but if it was a quarterback of lesser statue that said the same comments that he did would but, it be but, fair to assume we would the bills could have released jake from today the bills could have released him and sent they sent out a statement saying he you know we're working with him and this little like puff piece saying you know he's gonna be in a team for the foreseeable future i mean maybe he not make it to training training camp but he wasn't cut immediately was he right no fair enough i just think i'm i'm kind of with freddie in, in the thought and this is what i said yesterday too that if it was, a, you know, this was pre-Jake Fromm, of course, but, like, if a quarterback of a lesser stature, like my Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think if anyone else said this, I think that team might be looking for a new quarterback under center. Um, yeah, just uh, it's crazy times. <laughs> and, fellas, did you, guys, did you guys get to hear the Roger Goodell um, video that dropped about 10 minutes before we jump on the podcast? Did you guys hear that? I did not. All right, let me play it for you real quick. Well, let me find it, and you guys can talk amongst yourself for a quick second while I find it. But I want to get your reaction on that as well before we head out. Yeah. Actually, I got it right here. Hold on a second. Particular, all right. Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, Admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much-needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. And that was Commissioner Roger Goodell responding back uh, to the video the players put out last night. Some very high-profile players such as Patrick Mahomes and Saquon and Michael Thomas and Odell essentially asking the NFL to take a stand. And, and the NFL came back. Roger Goodell had one, one of his better shining moments uh, in that statement, in my eyes, coming back with a strong rebuttal. And, and he answered the biggest question I had was, are you going to let your players protest and take a, take a knee? Um, and he said it in that video flat out. They have no issues with uh, players protesting peacefully. What's your guys' thoughts on that video? If you could hear the audio come through. Yeah, I, I mean, I could hear it. And, uh, you know, what he, what he said was, you know, they pretty much they admitted they made a mistake while pushing players to be silent on this. You know, of course, you know, it's coming a little late where, um, you know, every state is protesting now. 
but I think, you know, it's a good thing that to finally say it. Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts. I mean, you know, being white and talking about race in general, it's, it is uncomfortable, right? But I think that's kind of one of the, the first steps you need to do to try to empathize because you'll, you'll, like Alvin Kamara said, you'll never, you know, I'll never know what it's like to be a black man and face those kind of, um, you know, tribulations and things that they go through. So, but I think it's a good step in the right direction to acknowledge it and talk about it. What do you think, Josh? Um, man, that was uh, man. Um, uh, what's the name of the gentleman who was on the other line? Um, I, I forgot. Freddie. What, Freddie? Vidal. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, uh, uh, no, 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 uh, Fred, Yeah, Freddie. Yeah, I, I agree with you know that you know um you know with with uh with a lot of what you just said, man. You know, so uh, I I think it's good that you know you and a whole bunch of other you know people around the country are you know have to have the same sentiment of understanding that uncomfortable conversations are as uncomfortable as they are, you know, they are necessary. So um, I definitely start by saying that as far as, uh, you know, Goodell, um, I'm not sure if he wrote that himself or somebody else wrote that for him, but <laughs> you know, I was, you know, <laughs> you know, he's got, I, he's got like 20 million people writing that for him. He's not. Yeah. 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 I'll say this though, too, is what Goodell said today was was more legit than the the statement that was put out five days ago. Of like course, yes. I'll say that much. Like I think that was more more legit than the word salad that the PR department up in Madison Avenue put out for the for the uh, for the league. But uh, Josh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but can continue. No, no, no that's cool. That's cool. I, I hear you. Um, no, I I think that um, you know is definitely the strongest public statement that the NFL has made to date. Um, you know, going back to Kaepernick and even before any incident that happened before Kaepernick's protests where, you know, NFL players were, you know, feeling the type of way about what was going on in the NFL, either stayed silent or, you know, had some BS comment. Um, so, yeah, years of uh, having to listen and watch this, you know, shit happen. And, you know, it's taken this to have the NFL make a bold stance publicly like this. Um I think because of the climate and how serious things have gotten and how much it's escalated and how much, you know, the whole world at this point is realizing that, you know, black folks are, A, not taking this shit anymore, and B, you know, to the extent that the NFL has finally got it in the damn heads that not only is the, you know, uh, uh, population of their league majority black, but a lot of those players, you know, I would guess, you know, some of them um, were probably contemplating, you know, either sitting out or... Um, uh, taking a position publicly or otherwise that would make the NFL look really, really bad if they didn't come out with a statement like this. Um, so I think that the players and essentially the the uh, Americans at large, given all the protests that have been going on, you know, the momentum of the moment essentially forced the NFL's hand to actually put this out there in a way that was more substantial than anything they've said yet. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm glad he said it publicly. He went on the record. So now people can say, you know, Hey, you said this, you know, you were, you were on the record. You said this, you said this, you know, you can't take it back now. So I'm glad they went on the record and said that, you know, they recognized, you know, the pain that the players and, you know, their families and the, even the other employees of the NFL, um, have been feeling, I'm glad he kind of put that in there. And, um, you know, it, it was, like I said, the boldest position yet. I think the 
you know moment forced a hand to do it. Um, whether or not they would have came out with such a bold statement if it wasn't such a uh, you know high tension, um, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I think they would have probably gone a little bit softer had the moment not be been this um, you know monumental, so to speak. Um, as far as him, you know, acknowledging the right for people to protest in the league, you know, I think that's definitely a long time coming. And it was a matter of time, really, before they were going to do it anyway, given the trajectory that we're on right now. You know, I don't think that he or any team owner or te- any coach um, not only would be in a position to morally, but would just physically or any other way, way be able to keep <laughs> a whole bunch of black players from kneeling and protesting this coming season. Like, there, there, there's no way that they were going to keep that from happening. And I think any attempt that they would have made to try to, you know, um, you know, hush the issue or, you know, put a damper on the issue this coming season, um, it would have just made the NFL look so bad, worse than it looked before at any other point in their attempts to, you know, um, uh, uh, make this moment a little bit less, you know, severe on their end as far as their pocketbooks, as far as their image goes. Um, they were in no position to... Um, have players not protest if they didn't want to. They know they couldn't stop it at this point. Um, right. I was disappointed that he didn't call, you know mention Kaepernick by name. It's like you're like motherfucker. Like we know who you're talking about. Like just say the name, Colin Kaepernick. He was right, and you know we uh, we should have known. We should have listened to him, Colin Kaepernick. But the fact that he skirted around that, you know, he thought he was slick. Um, but you know, I caught him. You know, I think a whole lot of other people who were listening caught right. him too. Well, the oh, messed up thing my... is, too, is, is probably, you know, he probably didn't mention his name because he didn't want to open himself up to another, you know, collusion case, right? <laughs> as, <laughs> and, you know, hey, as, as, as messed up as that sounds, though, right? Like, if you're right, if you're right. one of the lawyers for the, the NFL, you know, if you come out in a statement, a video statement, and you apologize for Kaepernick, you, you're probably – that's probably open grounds for, for another um, – collusion lawsuit and 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 his lawyers probably told him that (laughs) yeah exactly and it's just it's just crazy where you look at you know it's june 5th of 2020 wasn't it like last year the year before uh the league was thinking of passing rules to penalize players or teams for for protesting like that's that's yeah jerry jones talking about oh no players on my no even ross steven ross like my miami dolphins owner big trump uh Contributor, yeah. he he had a plan and that got the kibosh put in it uh, yeah. real quick once that came to light. Uh, <laughs> now I'm gonna ask another question and you know uh, I'll lead off with with you, Freddie. So it's probably it's probably a fair assumption that the there is a chance that the NFL may come back the first couple of weeks without fans or or maybe a less amount of fans in the stands. If there's a less amount to zero fans, do you think they'll even broadcast the national anthem or have that part of part of the opening ceremony of every football game if there's no fans in attendance? I mean, I I think if they don't, then it's you know they're the media and people are gonna say, hey, why aren't you showing this? Are you you're trying to hide you know uh, more players kneeling for? Um, police brutality so i think they they're gonna have to right what about you josh Uh, i think it's a toss-up really i mean like i said the nfl has a history of you know making stupid decisions in the time that they can't afford to make stupid decisions so um you know i agree i think they 
will. I think they'll, in a way, um, you know, kind of have to get to the point, you know, like you said, uh, um, you know, people are going to start asking questions if you don't do that. But I wouldn't go all in and say 100%. There's a good chance that they will, but I won't go all in and say 100% because, you know, the NFL has been known to um, not make the best decisions in the past. It's a a toss-up. It's tough because they're going to say, oh, you know, if we – if, if, you know, if we show the national anthem, you know, people are going to get mad. They're going to start calling us. They're going to start hounding us. So I can't believe you're not showing the national anthem. You know, that's part of the, you know, that's part of the game. And, you know, they're having the flags and the soldiers and the troops coming out with the flag and, um, you know, whichever, uh, you know, famous recording artists singing the national anthem. <laughs> I can't believe you're not going to do that. And then, you know, the other side, as we know, you know, if you do that, you're going to see the players protesting. And then the other half are going to be like, I can't believe you're doing this. Why did you air it? Now it's going to just be more people protesting. And, you know, we don't want to see that. We want to see the game. So, you you know, they're not going to, they they have to understand it, as I'm sure they do by now, if they didn't four years ago, that they're not going to make everybody happy. So um, I I think that they will air it. Um, But, you know, uh, who who knows? The NFL, they could just do something, do some, I don't know, do something else. What do you think, Jay? You think they'll air it if there's no fans in attendance? Yeah, they absolutely have to, man. Uh, if they don't air it, they're going to piss off both sides of the party, right? The side right. that says you must stand and respect the flag, and then the side that says we have the right to kneel during uh, the anthem. And if you take that out completely, um, then I think both sides are going to be pissed off and both sides are going to be rioting. Um, I'm sorry, uh, protesting. Um, but yeah, th- there's absolutely no way that they can't show the national anthem, with, the, with especially the amount of heat uh, the issue is getting right now, because that's the easy way out. That's copping out. That's, right. that's taking the, the the bitch way out, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. No, I'm in agreement. I think with that statement, uh, I just you know I think they're they kind of drew the line in the sand and they, they they have to air it if it's one person in the stands. Or if there's 50,000 people in the Superdome, they're they're going to have to air the national anthem. And, uh, I mean, we're already – I said this on Twitter before we hopped on. I think, you know, the NFL and the president, they, they are heading for a collision course come kickoff time. Uh, Trump came out and said that people should stand with their hand over their heart like Drew Brees described and said Drew Brees is one of his favorite quarterbacks. And, you know, maybe 40 minutes later, that's when Roger Goodell showed up again in his man cave. He did not look as exhausted as draft night. So it's good to see that he's, it's, it's, it's good to see that Raj is rested. Um, he looked coherent. He didn't look like he wanted a cigar and a scotch. So it was, you know, he came out and, and he said that statement uh, right after Trump just couldn't keep his thumbs to himself. Dude, on the I keyboard. tell you what, this issue is just going to get gaslighted again. I mean, the second that the election gets closer um, in November and the fact that the NFL is going to start playing in early September, Trump is going to gaslight this to, to galvanize his base, man. The way I see it, and maybe I could be wrong. I'm not a I'm not a political science major here, but I mean he's he's got to have lost all the black Latino and minority votes. So all he has left is is his base, and he's gonna have to cater to that base, and he's gonna have to galvanize them. And this is the perfect hot button issue topic that's gonna galvanize his base. Yeah, for sure. And my favorite, I've had, I you know, ever since uh, you know George Floyd you know, was murdered by the Minneapolis Police Department, you know, over the last couple of days, I've, I've had discussions with family members and friends about, you know, they, they, they brought up, they brought up the fact of the protests again, like four years, four years later, they're still bringing up, well, 
I don't agree with when they're protesting. And and finally, I just I just said to one of my friends, the point of a protest is to make people uncomfortable. And in Say order, that. Oh, yeah. and, Say and in order, and in order to do something that's going to generate change, you have to do it that are going to at a time that's going to make people uncomfortable. Whether or not it's Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem, whether or not it's John Carlos and the and uh, I, you know, my apologies, I'm forgetting the 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 silver Smith, medalist, Tommy Smith, Tommy Smith uh, at the Mexico Games when they did the Black Power salute on the on the medal stand. You know, there's there's going to be times that if you're going to make a political statement, you have to do it when people are uncomfortable. Or you know, uh, you know, Owens at the 1936 Berlin Olympics, a black man winning the gold medal in Berlin at the height of Adolf Hitler trying to promote this Aryan race. This this has been the case throughout human history, and in order for change to occur, you have to make people uncomfortable, and they have to talk about it. So. You know, people are in their feelings about this again because it's inconveniencing them. And I think that's just a crock of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're spot on, Puma. I mean, uh, protesting in itself is not, you know, it, it's fine. I mean, that, that's just who we are. That's what the company is. This country is built on. The people that bring up protesting when you talk about race relations are the people that are trying to deflect the argument or not have that hard conversation about race relations in this country because, I don't know if it's just too painful for them, or too painful for them, or if they're just racist or whatever it is. Uh, people that bring up the protesting aspect of things, it's just a it's just a tactic that uh, deflects off the actual issue at hand. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, I think we had a really good conversation, fellas. Do you guys have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, no. I mean, for me, I just commend all of you guys for um, talking about it. I know I was pushing Puma for a new P, uh, PFR episode. <laughs> Haven't had one for a while. Start for talking. <laughs> and, you know, you, yeah. you can do it and ask me. And I'm, I'm glad I could uh, voice my, at least my opinions also. Yeah. And listen, we expect to have both you, Josh, and Freddie on quite a bit this this season. I mean, now with that, that we're doing it over Skype and we're not in the same, you know, um, the, the amphitheater, as we call it, we can do it over Skype and we can have you guys on. We can talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. So expect more of this. Sounds good. Hey, before we before we wrap, fellas, before we wrap, uh, Jay, I'm I'm pulling a you, I'm pulling a Liz Taylor, and I'm getting the last word this time. Nice, um, <laughs> Josh. Yeah. As as a black man, this is unrelated to football. This is just, I guess, we could do a quick, you know, what is the pill that we can do as a society? What what would you suggest that white people can do to to help? facilitate change what what do you think because i know you know we've talked off air and, and you've been do you've went to a couple of protests in manchester and you were kicking the tires and going down to boston what, you know what do you think we can do oh uh, well there's a lot i mean that's a <laughs> that's 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 a, that's a pretty deep question my man um I, I think one thing that people can do is um uh, well, I, I think one of the biggest things that has held the country back was it not just was, but is, you know, ignorance, like, right? Ignorance itself, you know, ignorance of, you know, the country's history, of, you know, the individuals that make up this country. Um, I think just ignorance in general, you know, it, you know, we have to destroy ignorance, really. That's one of the first things that people can do, you know, read books, talk to people, have these uncomfortable conversations that are finally happening after, you know, how, how many decades you know centuries really has people 
you know, uh, have people been avoiding these topics of conversation on a grand scale, right? Um, I think destroying ignorance and having to confront the history of the country for what it is and not sugarcoat it. Uh, I think it's too easy for a lot of people to, you know, skirt the issue like Drew Brees was. And he's not the only person, but a lot of people who would skirt the issue of, um, you know, quote unquote race relations and, you know, what is race? You know, it's, you know, what, you know some people, oh, it's, 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 you know, classification of people. And some people say, oh, it's a construct because, you know, there's one human race, but there's, you know, several, you know, there's, there's many um, ethnicities, right? And having that conversation of having to, you know, differentiate the two of those. And then, like I said, just from a pure historical aspect of what the country was, is, and has become, um, I think that's something that people really need to delve into and not be afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations because, you know, one of the, re- many, one of the many reasons we're at this moment is because collectively the nation hasn't done that. You know, I think the NFL is, the situation that they're dealing with now is a microcosm of the nation, really. This collision course that you were speaking of, is I couldn't have said it any better. Um, I think that's what the moment is right now. We're, we're literally on a collision course. It's going to, hey, it's going to end one or two ways, man. You know, we're either going to, you know, destroy ignorance. We're going to start, you know, handing out justice. We're going to start, you know, um, you know, treating people the way we're supposed to, everybody, you know, no matter where you're from. Um, we have to start, you know, uh, admitting, you know, the ugly past and, you know, see it for what it is. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that people should do, but, you know, destroy ignorance and um, demanding uh, not just justice, but, um, you know, as, as much as people might not want to hear it, you know, we have to start handing out punishment to these people who are doing us wrong. You know what I mean? You know, players standing up and or not standing up, taking a knee, you know, was like, hey, the same message that Kaepernick said years ago that, that has come full circle, you know, um, educating, you know, about Americans educating themselves who don't know and those who do know what's going on having those conversations and engaging people in them to try to, you know, end that ignorance and for people who have power to use their power to prosecute people who break the law and murder people of color. Wow. Well said, nice. Josh. Wow. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, man, that, that's great, man. Listen, thank you guys so much for being on. I mean, I think thank yeah. you both Freddie and Josh. I mean, at the end of the day, um, the only way there's going to be change is if we have these hard discussions and these hard conversations with our communities. And and I think it's our duty. I mean, obviously, we have a very small podcast. It's not that many listeners, but I think it's our duty to make sure we talk to our community and have these discussions. And I can't, I can't think of two better people to have this discussion with um, than Freddie and Josh, some of our best supporters. So we thank you for that, guys. Merci. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. uh, Before you guys sign off, Freddie, I'm I'm a man of my word. I'm a a man of my word. Freddie Soliotis, you're fired. I love it. Nice. (laughs) Nice. You got the live version, Freddie. You got the live version. (laughs) Nice. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Freddie, you want to plug it up real quick and we'll jump off? What's up? You want to plug it up real quick, and then we'll just all jump off? Yeah, yeah. So this episode, the special edition of the PFR podcast, uh, can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher under Pro Football Radio Podcast. You can follow us on social media at PFR Podcast on Twitter, 
Instagram and Facebook, Pro Football Radio Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Uh, fellas, you want to plug up your own handles? Where, Josh, where can we find you on uh, the IG? Um, Josh Haitian Houdat. Josh Haitian Houdat. Uh, Freddie, where can the good people find you? IG Hercules2424. That's me. Yes, sir. And uh, you find us on there. Like, subscribe, download, share with your friends, share with your grandparents, share with everybody. This is a great episode and a great chat. And I'm uh, I'm honored. I'm speaking on behalf of everybody here, uh, Jay and I. We're honored to have you guys on. Here, so. Silky smooth, man. That that uh, that plugging it up gets smoother every week, man. <laughs> now, but are you gonna get the last word? Is this Taylor gonna come back? No, no, that's are all you, you man. I'm done. If you say the last words, and we're done. <laughs> all right, that's a wrap. Via con deals. <laughs>